Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Into the Prey. I'm going to do a little study of Matthew 7 today, not study exhaustively or comprehensively as much as giving thoughts that I've had in prayer this morning and I see as they relate to the world that we're seeing rock quite literally and the church that we're seeing being shaken. Matthew 7 and verses 12 through to 27. Let me just read them for you. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the narrow gate, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone who then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. The last phrase, and great was the fall of it this morning, arrested my attention. I had no intention of doing this podcast, having done one just yesterday morning. But if you've not listened to it, I'd encourage you to, to go and listen to that, perhaps pause this and go back and listen to that, that one first. Um, January the 18th, I think. So... Um, about three weeks ago now, but when the earthquake struck Turkey and Syria, um, it was just over two weeks ago that I had written a blog post entitled God of All the Earth. And it was really, I don't often do this, but it was really a kind of uh, publicising of or publishing of 
a private prayer that I'd written, handwritten in my journal. And I occasionally will feel the need to either do a podcast reading of that or just, in this case, write it on a blog and so on. And if you've not read that, go and read it. But basically, um, linked to Psalm 119, verse the verse I forget, but where the psalmist writes, it's time for the Lord to act. For your law has been broken. And I prayed that the Lord would do something in the earth. And don't forget, when we pray, if we're being spirit-led, prayers are spirit-prompted and spirit-primed. And in one sense, therefore, the prayers of the saints aren't, strictly speaking, our prayers. I hope you know what I mean by that. Um, he he leads us as we pray. And um, this that particular morning... About three weeks ago, I prayed that the Lord would do something on the earth that would arrest and cut the hearts of men, those who aren't saved and those who are in the church but who are unfaithful. And then three weeks following, or less than that actually, just over two weeks following, the largest earthquake on earth in nearly 100 years occurred. And as I speak to you, the death toll is, I think, approaching... Is over 8,000 and, and could surge even further. But the point I'm making as Jesus uses language to convey at the very end of verse 27 of, uh, of Matthew 7 is that, and great was the fall of it. You know, we, we, we see something of that, again, whether it's 9-11 or whether it's the footage that we've seen from Turkey and Syria this week, when a building collapses, it's it's a devastating sight, isn't it? It's a very unnatural thing to our eyes. We associate buildings with security and stability, and dare I say, even permanence. You know, if you if you watch an engineer destroying a redundant industrial chimney from distance, you know, with 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 um, explosives, and it's all done safely and with distance and then the moment comes where the engineer it doesn't matter how old the engineer is he's a he's like a giddy child he's a giddy giddy schoolboy because he gets to press the red button and then in the in the distant in the safe distance you see this chimney collapse and there's something there's something very i suppose cathartic therapeutic maybe about seeing something like that but of course if you're safe distance you're not going to be engulfed by something like a modern, you know, pyroclastic flow, in effect. You're not going to be engulfed by dust and shrapnel and debris. You're, you're at a distance to behold it and, frankly, enjoy it. That's, that's what's going on, isn't it? I mean, chimneys aren't destroyed just for fun, but they are, they are, they are enjoyed, I suppose, by those who do it, and let's be honest. But this that Jesus is painting here, and great will be the fall of it, is not that that this is this is like being at the bottom of one of the the two towers in New York City in 2001 it's like being on the street just outside one of these buildings in Turkey or Syria that collapsed in a second or two engulfing and what's more i think it's more more than that i think it's like being in one of the buildings when it collapses just taking these paragraphs, can you imagine that? Some of the scenes you saw yesterday, 
two two most powerful scenes. One of a child, maybe two years old, less than less than that, maybe eighteen months. I don't know. You know, being brought forth from this rubble, and her her beautiful little face was bloodied, and her eyes were caked in dust, and she was evidently just in a state of shock. Wasn't even crying. What a beautiful scene. What Thank the Lord for every mercy like that. And I think pictured even more so of, of the newborn baby that I think was actually delivered under the rubble. Whose mother had, had deceived, had perished under the, the great fall of it, under the great fall. Two touching scenes. So just imagine this sense of being buried. The rain fell, Jesus said at the last verse, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. The last place you want to be is in the house when it collapses. The last place you want to be is in the building. Taking these paragraphs one by one very quickly, the golden rule, a tree and its fruit, I never knew you, Build your house on the rock. I want to just say a couple of things about each of these paragraphs that strike me. Um, if you are experiencing life as a, as a Christian, as a lover and a follower of Jesus, that would be my that would be my definition of Christian: a lover and a follower of Jesus. And your way, your day to day living, isn't hard. I would be concerned. I have contact with quite a lot of people and just yesterday somebody had made contact and um, actually I'd made contact with them and I won't explain why, but just just be aware that sometimes certain things that might catch your attention are indirect cries for help, all right? And the person explained to me that they just found, they'd been feeling finding things very difficult. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. The way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Life isn't just a walk in the park. And as we see the nation shaken, as we see the church, the unfaithful church, I think tottering. Um, if your way, your day-to-day -day living is more like a walk in the park than a battlefield. There's something wrong. And we then go to the next paragraph. And this is all by way of grace and mercy. I'm, I'm doing this podcast in the hope that it, it piques the attention of those whose attention needs to, need to be piqued and in the hope that of a turning to him if you're not already in that daily sense of being turned to him tree and its fruit i did a post just last week about bethel and i'm in the process of calling certain leaders to account and going public with that if needs be such as the seriousness gravity and weight of these matters for far too long christians have just agreed to disagree about this being well it's not really my cup of tea but you know no this is something that needs to be brought to account and Ephesians 5.11 and Hosea 7.1, for example, give scriptural um, 
sense to that, but a tree and its fruit. Look at look at this in verse 16. Jesus said, you will recognise them by their fruits. And then the rhetorical question, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No, you don't go, to, you don't go into your garden in Edinburgh to get a banana from an apple tree. Frankly, you don't even go to get an apple. Most apple trees don't, aren't healthy enough to give us fruit in this country. In fact, as a point of fact, orchards are in a decimated state compared to how they used to be in this country. It's worth doing a little study on that if you're interested. But the point is you don't go to get an orange from an apple tree. You don't go to get a fig. You don't go to get a grape from a thorn bush or a fig from a thistle. And this is the language that Jesus uses here. He, he describes a diseased tree. False prophets, the, the thought of false prophets, false prophecy, therefore false teaching, are directly le- linked to Jesus' word picture here of a diseased tree. A diseased tree. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter it by it are many. The love of most, Matthew 24, will grow cold. A diseased tree in that paragraph 15 through to 20. Then verses 21 through to 23, possibly the most sobering, frightening passage in the entire Bible. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, look at that repetition of Lord, it's panic. It's panic. Lord, Lord. When was the last time somebody used your name twice, let alone once? Nick, Nick, if somebody says to you your name twice like that, it's panic. It's urgency. It's the opposite of shalom. It's the opposite of peace. It's the opposite of assurance and security. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, this is the diseased tree. This is the, this is the wide and easy way. The Christian... That the person that thought they knew him or thought that, that Lord, the Lord knew them, when in fact the Lord, the Lord didn't know them. Verse 23, and then those who prophesied in his name cast out demons in his name, so the supernatural doesn't necessarily prove God, and do mighty works in his name, and then Jesus declare, will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness or iniquity. Not everyone who says to me, not every Christian is a Christian. Not everyone who thinks they're saved is saved. Verse 24 to the end of verse 27. And then the picture of a structural engineer building a house on rock versus... The charlatan, those who who didn't know Jesus, those who was a, were the diseased tree, those who were on this wide and easy way, building houses on sand, and the stormy conditions, the elements beating thereof. And then we come to the verse, and then the rain fell, verse 27, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. The house is being beaten And only the house that is built on the rock, founded on the rock, is Bethel Church, founded on Jesus Christ, 
I don't think so. I think it is at very, at the very best, it is a diseased tree. John 15, Lord, Lord only knows whether there is a pruning possible for that. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that the, this series of pictures, word pictures here in Matthew 7, I think culminates in this picture of verse 27, and great was the fall of it. You, you notice in verse 28, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. This was a new thing, but notice, and when Jesus finished these sayings, this, this kind of list of sayings or this, this discourse finished with the picture of great was the fall of it, the house, the Protestant house, the Catholic house, the evangelical house. I spoke to an evangelical leader yesterday who didn't have a clue what I was talking about, the significance of egalitarianism, hamstringing the church. It was enough for him to just be following Jesus. It was enough for him just to be on a journey. No, 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 you need to stop. <laughs> stop. Ask yourself, what is your conviction based on? When it comes to these sobering moments, just before the, fall, the great fall of it, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But what is the qualifier? But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Up to this point in Matthew, you might have noticed that Jesus often referred to your Father, or a wonderful inclusive way of speaking of salvation. If you read the first six, seven chapters of this, of this gospel, Jesus is talking to the, his disciples or you know, he, he refers often to your father, speaking of the disciples, very, very, uh, just the, the language of adoption. But then notice here, but in verse 21 of, of chapter 7, but the one who does the will of my father, it shifts. And I think that's significant. He's speaking here with, with a, a different tone to previous passages where he's, speaking more tenderly and speaking more um, gently to those who are his sheep. We have to understand that not all Christians, so-called, are in fact Christians. Not all churches are genuinely Christian churches. Not all prophets or teachers are genuinely so. Wolves in sheep's clothing. I want to encourage us to weigh these words of Jesus, particularly as we're seeing in quite literal ways the collapsing of buildings, the shaking of nations, and I think a weather storm, weather beaten church tottering on the verge of the abyss. And I pray, and we pray now, that every pruning that is possible at this time, in other words, every redemption that is possible of every diseased tree, of every individual or every group corporately that is enjoying the, the easy way, the wide and easy way. Lord, we pray for turning now. We pray that for every diseased tree, that there would be an uprooting and a healing and that there would be a harvest of fruit and that where there are these false assurances of knowing you, serving you, somehow functioning and working in the supernatural, that you would 
reveal in mercy and grace this absence of vital connection with you. And everyone who even speaks casually about building your church, you will build the church, Lord, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, but you are the one. And Lord, I pray that where there has been a foolish building, where there are houses that are tottering, indeed, we pray for the fall. We pray for the fall of every false house. And Lord, we ask ultimately that when there is a great fall, when there is a great falling away, when the rain falls and the floods come and the winds blow and beat against houses and buildings and structures and institutions and establishments, and that great will be the fall of it, that there will be a work, a redeeming work of your spirit in your people at that time, that that which needs to stand will stand, that which needs to burn brightly will burn brightly and that people will be led to you truly as Lord and Saviour. We pray ultimately, would you come, would you have would you have mercy on those who have mercy, uh, who need mercy? And Lord, would you cause your people to stand at this time and that there would be a standard raised against the work of the enemy in Jesus' name. Amen.